and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 379, and it's going to be me and my man Jason going through a bunch of books. I do want to point out right now that we're having a little bit of problems with our recording software, and for some reason, Jason has a bit of a popping that's going on in his audio. I hope that this is something that we're going to be we're going to have to figure out. We are working on figuring this out, trying to get rid of that i hope that you can bear with it for now i apologize for it it really drives me nuts i even kind of at the point was not even going to release the episode but i figured no we we did the work or whatever we'll release it just please you know realize that we are aware of that and we're trying to fix that but before we go into a bunch of books and some lightning rounds and all that fun please go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. 100% follow back policy over there. Also, go over to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Go to our Instagram, which is Weird Science Comic. And then at the end of all this, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can help support us for everything that we do. Give us a little high five like that, but also get a ton of shows. You know, for every level that you go on there It's one of those things that when we started our Patreon You know, we could have just thrown it out there Hey, everybody, please just give us money for what we do already I don't like doing that I wanted to set up something where it was worth going over there And if you're listening to the podcast, I think you might like podcasts So we offer a ton of podcasts, a lot of Marvel stuff One of the big things that we do each week Is we do our Marvel Badass Patreon Spotlight and what the picks by the badasses, the Get Fresh crew, or, or they ended up picking Silver Surfer Rebirth number two and Ghost Rider number one. So one of the big books this week, they end up picking that. Me and Jason already talked about those. So you go right now over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, and you'll be able to listen to that show right away. And it was about 45 minutes long there. But after all that, all those will be in the show notes. Again, I apologize for the audio. I hope that you can get through this. We will figure this out, and we're going to make sure we figure it out by next week. I promise. At least we'll try. I'm not a technical type guy. We have some things that we're going to try out. Uh, If it comes down to it, Jason even said that he is going to have to maybe buy an upgrade computer sort of thing. But we're going to try some things before that because he's got a family. He is a teacher, and he's got a family here. I'm here with my family down in the basement, but really... I can kind of maneuver things like that. But Jason just joining in, I'd hate for him to have to buy a new computer just for me and my nonsense, right? But we'll see. We'll see if we can figure that out. But we're going to go off right now to me and Jason talking a bunch of books. And I am here with my man, Jason. What up, Jason? You know exactly what's up, Jim, but that's okay. <laughs> we have recorded this this beginning in this first book, Amazing Spider-Man, we've recorded now, I, I, no no joke, like six times now, it seems, Yeah, right? this is, yeah, about that. Uh, holy moly, but it is Amazing Spider-Man number 90, 
written by Patrick Gleason, pencils by Mark Bagley. Did you know, Jason, there's a lot of inkers on this? It's so weird to talk about this at length all these times and trying to make it new. And I'm like, yeah, just go with what we did. New things to mention, new ways to say things. So we'll we'll try to keep it lively. Well, it'll be seamless. No one will know. Nobody will ever know. Why are we mentioning it? Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, Andy Owens, Wayne Foucher, and Victor Olazaba on inks, colors. Brian Valenza, Dijo Lima, and Andrew Crossley. I, I, I Crossley. don't know what's happening. I like the way you sound that. Every time that we do this, I say it different, and it's not anything that should be hard to say. I think of, you know, I'm thinking of my man Sidney Crosby. That's what I'm thinking. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There we go. And here we go. I, I don't know if you've heard this. After a couple of glorious months of Spider-Man, Everything's falling apart for Ben Riley. I We were wondering at one point, wh- when were these glorious months? Because I, I didn't really get to see those. He's been having problems from the beginning. He had a nice day or two, but I don't yeah, know about exactly. a whole month. Eh, you know, it's it's retroactively. That, that's what they actually implanted in him when they took all, all the good things out. The leader of the Beyond Corporation superhero program and Ben's boss, Maxine Danger, has been messing with Ben's memories and used the disembodied sins of the Green Goblin to transfer Ben's psychiatrist, Ashley Kafka, into the horrifying Queen Goblin. Ben was able to rescue his girlfriend from Queen Goblin, but left Mary Jane Watson and Black Cat at the Goblin's mercy. And and every time we've said that, I wanted to mention that at the one point, it just seemed like Mary Jane was left there at the mercy. Yeah, Black Cat kind of showed up, but luckily Peter Parker came to their rescue after months in the hospital. Peter worked to rehabilitate himself and finally returned to being Spider-Man. All he has to do is survive Queen Goblin and her terrifying Goblin, goblin gaze. gaze. The Goblin Gaze, not the the cosmic glaze that went on the silver surfer this is the <laughs> cob goblin gaze i can't even say it holy moly but you end up where maxine and this is in the then you go back and this is before janine has gone off to ask peter hey you got to help ben and whatnot so right this is maxi maxity starting to not panic exactly but this is like the first time where she doesn't feel like she's in control of things stuff's going wrong and she says spider-man is on the move A-G-L. Do you know, what do you think that means? Any I don't idea? know, but I know that RTB must be returned to base later. That's what I came up with. Either return to base, return to beyond, A-G-L. Uh, you know, it's action guy actually, left. Actually I, gone <laughs> loony. I don't there know. There we go. I actually was thrown off at first by the RTB. I, I'm, I'm not a smart man. I'm like, what is she doing with this lingo? And, and, you know, but time is of an essence for her. She can't actually say return to base. She has to say RTB. Uh, but with that, she is like, okay, this is weird. You get some stats that there's a weight on him more than just on his shoulders, but actually on his back there because he has Janine and she says he has her. Hey, both of you get back to base right now. And he turns off the comps. He hits the airplane mode. And me and you talked about it a couple times. The idea that he, you know, you ended up having something where he can turn it off. Now it's kind of gone back and forth. He's a smart guy. He's got he's got the Peter Parker smart. So he was able to install some modifications on his suit to at least give him the ability to turn off tracking now and then. Yeah. Now that's the weird thing because at the one point they end up even being able to triangulate. They they can still do it, but he's trying to give them some time. I guess the idea is that beyond is all these other things around the city where even if they don't have the suit tracker, they can kind of see somebody swinging around and well that must be him. Yeah, and and so we talked about the idea that at the very, very, very beginning, you ended up having Ben 
say that he upgraded the suit. And you would think that some of these things that he does is from that. But you would thought that beyond, first off, there's more than one. He comes back. It's almost like you're a professional athlete. You don't clean your own stuff. You come back, you throw it in the deal. And so they end up where, why haven't they done something with that or whatnot? But we'll yeah, have to you, see you think because they have all these opportunities to to take that out. Maybe he puts it back. They take it out. You know, some sort of cat and mouse thing. But I guess I mean it. It makes sense for story purposes. We want him to be able to be off the grid, and I guess we just have to accept it. He needs to have time here to talk to Janine and say, "Listen, I, I have some problems. I I know, and he's aware that things are missing. This is one of those things. A lot of times when you play this." How could you know something's missing because it's missing? You know what I mean? But he is able to say, I have some blanks. I I have some things that aren't right. I need to get those back. And and Janine even knows you're not right. You're not acting like yourself. Something's wrong here. And again, we thought it was going to play out as the like really mean, like, you know, oh, my God, he doesn't have that morality of the Uncle Ben speech. And he's that. it's not that he just seems to be kind of. You know, like sleepwalking through things and not having the emotions that he yeah, should. We, and yeah, we thought this was going to be a whole different character. And was there going to be this big battle between his Janina's conscience and she has to convince him and it's going to take all this. But no, she just says, do this, this and this. And he says, OK, I'll do that. Sounds good to me. And and she ends up, Janine's like, okay, well, Ben wants to burn down. We're going to burn it down. Beyond, we're going to take it. I'm going to destroy it. And she says, we can't right now. We got to get your memories back. They yeah, have your they memories. They have your stuff. Yeah, yeah, they have your yeah. stuff and your right. things. I mean, what are you going to do? And Uncle, Uncle, what's his name? Yeah, Uncle, him? what's yeah. his name? And Aunt, I don't know who. With great, with great something comes something, something. I don't know. It seems important. You always were big on He's it. playing weird Spider-Man ad libs. Where if that's the case, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you put butt cheeks and stuff like that all the time. But yeah, with great butt cheeks come great butt cheeks. That's me, mad libs. I was never great. <laughs> uh, but they end up where it's true though. Yeah, it is. And so when you end up where he's like, okay, well, they took these things, but instead, Janine says at the moment. And says that, you know, Queen Goblin did get that drive, so that's gone. You can't use that to whistleblow now. But she was able to look at some things and knows Staten Island is where we have to go. Staten Island is where there is the villain program of this. And you get not even a full page, which shocks me. I thought that this could have been a full spread, two-page spread, because this is the big stuff, including showing you know, finally, this is quick, yeah. hard evidence that the UFOs, we thought this, what they were set up to go and attack them. And unfortunately, the Beyond Corporation didn't think that Peter Parker, Spider-Man would show up. Ben was already, Ben's suit was able to, you know, take that UFO attack, but not Peter. And he ended up in the coma, but also stuff as far back Morbius, even have a little bit of Miles, stuff like that going on. And Queen Goblin. I'm curious to see, are they going to specifically tie the Staten Island place in as the same place that Miles was in his book? Yeah, I wonder. Or is it connected to something else? Because in, in the Amazing Spider-Man book, we haven't seen Staten Island as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I don't know what when they get there. I do believe what we're going to have, though, and I, I this is new for us. Just, I didn't say this any other time. I was thinking about it. I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat. Here I am. I believe when they get there, we're going to see Marcus being combined with that rhizome deal. I think that that's the setup because, again, we don't, see, coming back, yeah, huh? we don't see anything with Marcus in this, not even a mention. And I think that he's already been taken over to yeah, that we facility. We did have to mention that that rhizome was connected to the assessor. Yeah. So with that, we might have that. But I think that the only thing we might see, that's the weird thing. You would think that Queen Goblin being shown here, maybe we saw a tiny bit of that Staten Island deal where she ends up 
you're Queen Goblin, you're dead, I'm out, ha ha ha, and goes off. Maybe that was supposed to, but that always, we, we get a little wonky with where they are at points, like headquarters and things like that. So whatever the case may be, Staten Island's where they we'll find out these villains. And I do think that possibly, and I'm saying, I don't know that Marcus will be right. I think that it might be almost happening and they can save him, I hope, because I do like Marcus and he did try to help out. But in the meantime, Ben has to get Janine kind of aside. I want you safe. We know that Janine goes off to find Peter and says that Ben needs your help, which is a good way to segue into the now where Peter is fighting Queen Goblin. Apparently, this fight's been going on, it says, for the better part of an hour. I mean, we've had people falling out of the the, 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 the bugle building over and over again. I don't know why like the Fantastic Four couldn't show up or Miles or anybody. I guess Miles is busy doing his thing. But, I mean, we're in New York City. There's heroes everywhere. You'd think within an hour, somebody would have popped in. So it's going on. Were you taken aback a bit by the joke at Matt Murdock's blind, uh, you know, self? <laughs> I mean, I, I actually <laughs> I, thought I that was a, at it. I laugh, but that feels weird nowadays, especially where people are really yeah, running curious. scared a lot with things like, who'd you learn to drive from, Matt Murdock? I'm like, that is that is crazy for people. <laughs> say i wish that matt as we see he like leans out the window hey buddy i heard that and maybe he's saying that because he's pissed that none <laughs> of the heroes did join that, it right. yeah he would have heard it uh with that yeah he's like oh sorry about that uh but yeah they're going around and fighting and it's a big fight they're going through buildings they're doing this there's a lot of almost collateral damage going on yeah it, it, it's almost uh slapstick at this point just for a scene where dragging them through uh, billboards and Whole buildings and subways, maybe. I'm telling you, I love the idea that it is played up because Peter is being, you know, Very he's back Jones. to his quippy self, right? I want to see that afterwards where they see the wreckage. There's just dead bodies everywhere because somebody's got to be hurt here. But yeah, they're laughing. But he does realize, got to get out. Of, we got to get out of the city. There's too much damage being done. And me and you were the one time we talked. I said, some of this ends up being a little like, Hard to follow, but most of the fight is just like you said, subway, office building. It's supposed to look, you know, frenetic. It's like a like a montage. We're here, we're here, we're there. We get to a point though where how Peter tries to swing him out to the bay is is a little odd. I see what's going on, but it doesn't play out well, and it did take me a couple glances to so see. So he, he grabs onto a, a metal pole and somehow that's supposed to redirect Queen Goblin out over the river or the bay. I get the idea is that Patrick Gleason says, okay, we gotta get them out over the water for this next scene to happen. But the way they do this is it doesn't really hold together. We just kind of have to accept it. It's almost like you need the vision and the visual of it, maybe like a cartoon or something, because, again, it's almost like a Looney Tunes type of deal, even like you said before, where we're going the one way and I'm pulling behind. He is like skiing, you you said at one point, with the yeah, like webbing. Yeah. And then he grabs onto the pole, which then swings them around 180 to go out into the bay, and it would have worked better if we saw that swing with the pole all we see is him grab the pole and almost rip his arm off and gets you know oh my god ow and then we're in the bay and he says oh thank god we're out there it's fine but what he ends up doing then is pulling himself onto the glider and comes face to face he thinks that this is i've won i you know i'm gonna be able to take her out now right but turns out she was she was trying the same thing because if they go eye to eye she can do her got let goblins gaze which again as a catchphrase kind of subpar it's not, not great good. it really isn't and when you have that even earlier you end up having patrick gleason explain the joke that queen goblin oh i get it it rhymes with green goblin i'm like 
Okay, I guess, yeah, I, I don't need that either. We gotta separate it from the Goblin Queen, who's now back to life over in the x uh, They X-Men even book. say that, and that's kind of where I think the problem was. We want to have this Goblin, what are we going to call him? Oh, we'll call her the Goblin Queen. No, 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 we already have that in the x books. Okay, Queen Goblin, just nonsense. But you end up getting the Goblin's gaze that we saw does work, doesn't work, kind of works, and we don't really know anything about it except that when Black Cat got it, she almost killed herself. She ended up getting all depressed because of all the, the failures in her life and things like that. That was the one time we've actually seen this work. She would, uh, Queen Goblin kind of tried to use it on Mary Jane, but got distracted, so we didn't even see that take place. Yeah, so we, and we get the same thing. It's that awful, you know, psychiatrist, let's talk about all your failures and everybody who hates you, and you do get a page of that where everybody hates Peter and he's there and it's weird all, all these people who are, are usually su- so supportive of him and you know they're kind of his, his base how he can be a superhero because he has all these people cheering him on we see Black Cat just crapping on him we see Captain America calling him a loser and his Uncle Ben and Aunt May both you know just Aunt May says I wish you died even even his physical therapist doesn't say a word his just kind of stands there and looks at him like <laughs> But just the look on her face is, you worthless sack of crap. You know what's funny is where's they don't put Mary Jane in here. And I think that the play might be that he he wouldn't believe that, maybe. I don't know. Weird that the physical therapist is just there looking at him <laughs> sternly. I'm surprised we don't get a, a Gwen Stacy, yeah. you let me die kind of a thing. Yeah, a lot of different things. Get. And this is all the idea of you don't deserve to be Spider-Man. You never did. So he falls off the the goblin right. glider. He, he sinks to the bottom of the bay, and the idea is he's, he's so depressed by this, he's not even going to try to get back to the surface. He's just going to end up letting himself drown. He's going to do this. Everybody hates me. Here I am at rock bottom. And then you get what pretty much is Ben Kenobi on Hoth. Yeah, maybe, he has hit rock bottom. Sandy bottom. Yeah. And you Muddy end up bottom. getting a Star Wars deal with, you know, Ben Kenobi coming out where all of a sudden Ben of the mind. Says, ben Kareilly, yeah, yes, says, doesn't she realize self-doubt is our kind of thing? And you end up with Ben? And then you get this, like, pep talk by Ben of the mind, you know, spirit mm-hmm. Ben, that says, come on, buddy, you know, shake it off. It's me and you together. Remember when I came and saw you at the beginning of this whole Beyond stuff, and you said, let's be amazing, and, and we were gonna, can't we do that now? And that inspires Peter, the the power of love and friendship, to then crouch on the bottom of the ocean floor, say never uh-huh. give up, and blast himself like a rocket. Never give up. Never surrender. By Grabthar's web shooter, Holy I will be moly. He ends up launching himself up, and Goblin's just circling around, I guess, making sure that Peter doesn't come up. And he ends up being able to pretty much use this launching to crack her right in the chops Knocks <laughs> off her crown Right in the mush yeah. yeah And she goes off And it seems As you said That it looks like The glider itself Has a protocol To protect the queen Which seemed odd For it to speak Say protect the queen As the coast guard Comes in That seems like Like maybe That little uh, Digital speech bubble Was added At the last minute It was when weird said, No well, Doesn't make sense here Maybe you should Throw in something To make Make it make a little more sense But we see him Rescued by the coast guard and uh, oh, so Goblin, Goblin, uh, Queen Goblin flies off. So I'm curious. Do you think that Queen Goblin is now out of this book? Yeah, I, I think, think that actually right now, I think that they can't. I think that that crown is what maybe was controlling her a bit. 
and now Peter That's, has that. I like that idea. And it's so gone. So is she just so. going to be kind of this free-floating villain to show up you know, a year or two years down the, down the line? That's all I think it might be. Poor Dr. Kafka. Yeah, I'm no Dr. Kafka. Feel bad for her. She was nice. People she was a nice clone forget lady. People about that part of it. But then again, without the crown, I'm starting to figure that it's going to be a goblin-esque type deal where she kind of goes between personalities. And stuff. I don't know. We'll have to yeah, see. They might but do that again. It was a – and the, the funny thing is, is Patrick Gleason writing. He's usually an artist, but he was the one who came up with the design for Queen Goblin, and he's writing her. So I think that if we get – Something with him later, maybe he'll bring her back. Maybe we'll have to wait for that. But she just goes off. Yeah, like 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 Jeb McKay with his uh, daughter to the dragon characters. He liked to bring. Yeah, back. you have Maxine just like, oh well, like let's see what Ben's up to now. Okay, and I said at what channels point, you end up flipping up. Why isn't somebody constantly looking? They say they're triangulating things or whatnot, but all of a sudden it's okay. We just got the the stats in. Oh no, Staten Island. And Maxime realizes, oh, no, that's trouble. If he knows about this villain deal, that's big deal. She yells, all comes now. And you're going to have a lot of things converging on that. In the meantime, Peter, saved by the Coast Guard. It's kind of funny where he comes out of that and, the, oh, man, I didn't think the Coast Guard was an Uber now. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm supposed to tell the real <laughs> Spider-Man to mention a recruitment deal. And I kind of like that back and that forth was with that it. That was a funny and, joke. The big thing is, okay, what's going on? They end up, because they have the crown, it has the earpiece, and they hear Staten Island. They hear that everything's and going down. I guess down. that's because Maxine Danger, last page, had all comms, and this is, this this is, is one part of the comms, comms so yep. here's one of the all. It, it's kind of a forced way to do it, but okay, you need to have it a way. Job you need to have a way for Peter to hear Spider-Man is no longer viable, initiate backdraft protocol for Staten Island facility. Peter hears that there is where he's going to go. And he says, all right, I got to go there. That's where the trouble is. Ben's in trouble. I got to save him. So does he know where to go on Staten Island? Because, I mean, Staten Island isn't huge, but it's also not it's a It's weird. Again, I think that there's a lot of little holes here in this issue to just get Kinda to convenient. what we need to get to. Because the very next page, we see Ben hanging out on the top of a building in Staten Island. And he's kind of having kind of a little bit of a breakdown of his own. And so he sees, he, he takes off his mask and looks at it. It's a very psychological, you know, the man and the spider seeing himself and who is he really. And we get one panel where we see the little fuzzy graphic like it was uh, when Peter had that vision about his spidey sense. And that looks kind of cool. And I'm okay with that. But then the next panel we get, it's like he's holding somebody's, it's like he took somebody's face off like the Joker and he's just stretching somebody's face skin. And I don't know what I'm supposed to take from this. Maybe somebody would know more, maybe a Ben thing. But the problem is, this is almost, again, I'll go Star Wars. This is in Empire Strikes Back. Luke goes into the tree, sees Darth Vader, slices him. Oh, my God, my face is in Darth Vader's mask. This seems like it should be something that is like, Ben thinks he might be more of somebody else or more of this, but it doesn't. Like he is the spider or the spider is him or or Ben is the mask that he wears and he's really some. I don't it know. plays off weird, though. It's not very clear of what he is uh, doing or seeing. He doesn't seem to get he seems mesmerized by it, but not really that upset. Is he wondering, am I more? Like, am I more spider than man? Oh, am I supposed to be doing this? Is this he's, something he's where now, maybe right. he's having his little, you know, idea that maybe this isn't for me? What? But it doesn't play out well. Peter no, shows up. Once then. again, we get this this big catharsis for something that wasn't really set up because Peter shows up, gives him a, a two and a half panel pep talk, 
and now they're ready to to swing off together. Let's go, bro. And and you end up where yeah, he shows up and Ben is like he's out of it. They play it up like I guess you're supposed to be worried at this point that Ben doesn't remember Peter, but that's silly, and he does. I think that that was like a weird little play. Like, yeah, I I took that as just he was he was thinking about something else. Yeah, and he just kind that's of all it was. I back. think that maybe they were trying to play this mind thing, and it didn't play out as well. Like, oh no, he's oh yeah, he of course he remembers. And they say, you know, you want to go off? Hey, are you okay for you to go with you? You know, Peter has been down and out. And he's like, you couldn't try to stop me. And they're like, wouldn't dream of it, bro. And off they go, and they're, you know, going off to stop this whole deal, Staten Island, this villain deal. And like I said, I think we might see them save Marcus, hopefully, before things are combined and he's turned into it. But he may end up, maybe yeah, he's I guess done. last we saw of Marcus, he was still just locked up in one of those little rooms and beyond, right? We didn't see anything happen to him. No, but. and when we went, that's where we again saw that rhizome in that container, like right at the same kind of time. But it was just sitting on, on Maxine's desk, but I worry about what's going to go on and the play was marcus done you done messed up we already turned kafka who done messed up into the queen goblin i'm just waiting to see what happens with him but we end up having kelly thompson next issue and not a lot of issues left with this so it's coming to an end and we're wondering yeah what happens with ben hopefully you know is it going to be the idea that he gets his memories back at the end oh i'm good or is it the idea that maxine packs up her stuff Skedaddles out and now Ben goes I'm going to have to find her to get, And then kind of goes off to do that I don't know Right. So our, so I know we have the uh, the Ben Riley miniseries We're going to be talking about in a minute Are we going to get a Ben Riley in the present Yeah I forward? think that we just have that In the past deal right now So we have to wait and see To be yeah, well, what is going to see on What his status quo is going to be When this storyline I'm really up. afraid that what's going to happen Is they're going to end up getting it by the end That beyond they have a lot of resources And things like that Where when they get to the final deal of Let's take Maxine Danger and Beyond Down They have left town with Ben's info And he's going to say Hey I'm going to go off I have to find my stuff. I got to get my stuff yeah, I, back. I hope they don't put Ben just back on the shelf again because of all the kind of, we've got a lot of spider characters, but of all the auxiliary spider characters, I think he's probably the most interesting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think that he's pretty cool in this. And with this, even this whole thing and every week and whatnot, I still don't feel like I've gotten enough of Ben for me to be like, okay, this was really cool with Ben. He kind of just is there going through the motions. We're finally getting to the point where they realize, okay, there's, trouble going on we know where we have to go here so we'll see we'll see we only have a couple issues left though and yeah i know everybody wants peter back eventually and whatnot but i kind of wouldn't mind ben staying in the book even with him even if we did that but we'll see we'll see what goes on like i said we kelly thompson see. next issue there's a lot of things that are hanging i had mentioned to you misty knight and colleen daughters of the dragon stuff you said that you didn't mind that we didn't get much of that but that really was at the very beginning and then kind of got shut off and there's an issue coming up with them. What it looks like, what it looks like to me, it looks like next issue looks like it's all about Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. And that and would then, be cool. Right. And then we kind of take a little side trip where we get a Daughters of the Dragon issue, and then we get a Dot Bay issue, where I, I guess we get our, our Monica Rambeau coming back in, because remember, she was tied with Daughters of the Dragon. And then we get our big finale, ASM number 93, Beyond, wrapping up completely. Yeah, but then Seb Wells goes off to just, you know, Doing it himself and the whole amazing yeah, Spider-Man. Going back to monthly rather than this crazy weekly schedule. Yeah, day. I guarantee you it'll be twice a month anyway because it always kind of was. But we'll, we'll see. Now, with that, 
What are the chances that when they go, I don't know that it's it's not really a Staten Island thing, but who knows? But what are the chances next issue or by the end, somebody frees the sentient sandwiches? Is that going to happen? <laughs> and that stupid goldfish. Are, are we ever going to get back to that, Stuart? Do you think they will? It's Sandwich and the Goldfish. They're now uh, a uh, detective team. That go around because, boy, I don't need that, but it'd be funny just as an aside that somebody saves the sandwich. Uh, but with that, what would you give this issue? Well, I really enjoyed this issue. It had some kind of storytelling things that seemed to be accelerated and sped up and, and paid off that weren't really set up. But it, it gets us into a place where we have our two main Spider-Men swinging off on their good old Todd McFarlane-esque webs. And they're going off to do the final thing, and I'm excited to see that ending. So I'm going to give this an 8 out of I'm 10. I'm an 8 out of 10 as well. And I, I like at the end, I want to see Peter and Ben together. And, you know, it seems like Peter, with all that, you know, maybe people say it's a little rushed or whatnot, but he seems good to go. I, he says 50%, but he's doing pretty well. And he's been beaten up, uh, and he's still going, so hopefully Ben and him can keep inspiring each other, and they'll take down Beyond and... Yeah, we'll see what happens with Ben. That is what, you know, me and you really want to see. What is the new status quo for Ben when all this is done? Yeah, we, we know we know Pete Parker is going to be fine because the, the story is going to continue. So he's going to he's going to be rich. He's going to be poor. He's going to have, you know, whatever going on, but he's going to keep going. But Ben, Ben, Ben could actually go away. They could they could kill off Ben for all. Yeah, know. they could. Or they I thought maybe what they were playing was we might even get him as, say, a villain or something. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So that's cool. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But we're going to go to the next book, which, speaking of Ben, is Ben. It's Ben Riley Spider-Man number two. And this is that out of time Back flashback type deal written by J.M. DiMatteis. Art by uh, David Baldione. Colors by Israel Silva. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. After returning the villain Carrion to the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane, Ben connected with Dr. Ashley Kopka as she tried to help Ben explore his past issues. That evening, Ben attempts to get a good night's sleep for once, but the sinister scorpion has appeared in his apartment. And we get this issue, uh, you know, kind of the flashback and a flashback and a flashback because he is talking about this mm-hmm. encounter to Kopka. Right. So the f- whole first scene we get the voiceover of him talking about it. So we know we know he's okay at the end of this first scene. It kind of takes away some of the drama, but it also sets up, you know, what is really going on because he's narrating. At the end of last issue, we saw that uh, Scorpion just appeared by his bedside. So here we get him talking about how this is a weird thing happened and the Scorpion showed up. And so what happens is the Scorpion kind of doesn't attack him while he's sleeping, which you'd think if he just wants to kill him, you know, sleeping guy is easy to kill. He kind of, he grabs his outfit his costume and says let's play and hops out the window like you know come and get me like almost like a a dog playing with a toy saying come chase yep and he even says he says ben riley spider-man let's go and yeah throws it down and this is a thing where ben is upset like why how does he know what's going on this is nonsense and he ends up going and chasing him but he ends up with talking to kafka on this over-the-top deal this narration the idea that is that you know that this was oh i know it was him it was him it was his voice i know that voice one of my first villains all these things going on and remember this is where you know you have a ben at a point who thinks he is the actual real spider-man peter parker is the is the clone so he you know it's not like oh i have this other's memories no he says this is the villain from the beginning and he ends up drawing him to what is an amalgam of 
the New York Mets uh, stadium uh, over the years. The whole timeline here is a bit confusing because we know Marvel sliding timescale, the present is always the present, right? But we're not in the present. We are in the past. But the past has slid forward to the point where some people are, are you know, internet dating and they have cell phones. And here we see it looks kind of like the bottom part of Shea Stadium, but with the top part of City Field. It's it's very odd. Yes. Yeah, so he ends up and this is where he says, and there's a, a cool thing. There's no editor's notes in the issue, which kind of threw me a bit. But by the end, at the very end, there actually are some discussions by the editor talking about where you can go and see some of these scenes from what yeah, he is talking nice. about. So it was good. Be nice to have them in the issue, but it's fine. But this is the big thing where he is at Shea Stadium and says that's where the nightmare began. The whole deal, you know, with Jackal. And the things that he had problems with, you see that he's remembering Gwen Stacy, even the idea of him going to baseball games with Uncle Ben and not really caring about it. But this is all like seems to be pushing towards the remember what happened with the jackal here. And Kafka says, do you think that Scorpion has a connection, you know, with this? And he says, no, I don't think so. I don't think that he would be somebody who would know. Mm of warren and the jackal and things like that so that kind of throws everything out a little it's confusing because clearly the scorpion knows a lot of stuff and he's taken him to this very particular place but we don't know how that all ties yeah and seems to be like goading him into all right let's fight i think that the mets there's a a, you know a stoppage at at a bit so they they don't have to worry about that so but somebody's gonna have to repair repair city field here but you end up or shea stadium because it's back in the day but he ends up where by the end, as they're fighting, you end up getting out of the stadium. Now you're going through, you know, the city and yeah, things like that. Apparently, I did not know that the scorpion could use his tail as he looked like Tigger, a bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. He really is. It's cool. It, it says right there, sprawling. He's sprawling. Yeah, he's sprawling out of the stadium over the wall and crashes on the. I mean, crazy. And he goes there, and you kind of get the idea. You see this family, like, oh my god, what's happening? And the scorpion picks up a a car. And it's going to, mm-hmm. you, and Ben thinks it's going to throw it at me. I didn't think that at all. I, I kind of thought the idea it's going to try to, you know, get some. But this is the thing, though. At this point, Ben is not winning this battle. He is getting beat up pretty good. And yeah, he's holding his own, but he's definitely not. No, he's not winning. Not this isn't like the he's desperate. Not Usually when the, the villain has to resort to, okay, I'm going to throw a car at some innocents, that is an escape plan because I'm being beaten. Right. But it doesn't seem that. It seems a test. Because when he throws it, Ben does save the people. He would. He ends up getting right in front of it. He throws out these people. We got a family. We got the mom. And we have a what looks like a little boy wearing a Fantastic Four t-shirt. And I guess his sister wearing the X-Men t-shirt. So, you know. No, Big no fans. Spider-Man fans. Right? No, but, not Spider-Man. Okay. Maybe they will be now. But you end up. Or maybe they'll be like, well, if it wasn't for him, this stuff wouldn't happen anyway. But, yeah, he, uh, Ben ends up saving them. And he throws himself. I mean, he gets crushed by a car and he's laying there. Scorpion comes over and starts asking, like, why would you do this? You know, why is it that you care about these people so much? Why do they mean so much to you? Why do you do everything? Throw yourself into the way to protect them. And then Ben blacks out and wakes up and he didn't get killed. You know, like you said, Scorpion didn't do anything while he was sleeping. You know, maybe put his, like, finger in water or something as a joke or something, right? How long do you think Ben was out here? Was it just, like, a few I minutes? I think just a little bit. An hour? Yeah, I think okay. just a little like bit. Like, it's, it's the same night, basically, right? Because it's nighttime here. 
And it's nighttime again when he gets to the Ravencroft Institute to talk with Dr. Kafka. And he's pissed because he thinks the idea of this, he had brought Carrion back, but now he's back again saying, why'd you let Scorpion out? What, what, did he escape? What happened? And they're like, no, no. Like, he didn't escape. What, you let him out on your own? And like, no, he's here. And you have a video of him just sitting there, you know, a little surveillance deal. And then he goes, okay, I got it. It's Chameleon. No, no, he's here too. He's working through his things. And plus, right now he's not doing very well. You see him like flashing through things and stuff, working with the Dr. Liu. Uh, but with all that, Ben's confused. Well, what was that? Does say, though, that the ending of that, you know, probing question, why do you do this? Why are you? And he wonders, like, that's not the scope. That didn't feel like him. Now, of course, when you have Ben, we're back in time, and this little deal even says as he goes later, where he goes to the house and like Mary Jane and Peter are off on their own. This is when he was just there by himself. The idea that you can only think clones when you're thinking Ben, especially at this point. So that's where I'm kind of like, okay, what kind of clone stuff is this? But he doesn't, it's weird because at this point in the issue, you really just have a lot of punchy punchy going on. You have this fight with the Scorpion. It takes a swerve, but the swerve that the 180 is like down Field Street now. Because he's like, oh, well, it seems like he's like, I guess I'll just go. But as he's going out, he kind of remembers, hey, you know, I want to have some friends. I was told that I don't do well with friends. And he ends up going to talk to Vermin, who he saw crazy Edward. Let's let's not call him Vermin. You know, he's he's not Vermin anymore. Edward, Edward Whalen. But he sees Edward and he apologizes again for kind of being a jerk earlier. And Edward says, oh, you already did that. Call me Edward, all that. And he's like, okay. First, he uh, startles him, and the papers just go everywhere. And he leaves the scene with, like, he's a good person, someone I could call a friend, you know? And so that's going to be something where he does end up kind of striking up a friendship with him. Out of nowhere, we have this, you know, side deal. Like you said, you have dating apps seem a little out of time for what this is. And you end up having these two girls. They're on a dating app type date here. They're on a first date, which we know in this book, first date spells trouble. Yeah, it does, especially here. And what do you think happens to her? Because she just seems to disappear at one right. point without so any sort of inkling. last issue, we saw a woman on a date with a guy, and it looked like at the end he you know, does something violent to her and goes into her room. And we've heard on the expository news network that there's been a string of first date killers out there so yeah we don't really see their faces so well we see them holding hands and one hand turns to this blue spindly monstrosity and we see the other girl kind of get upset by this understandably and the next panel uh the she's gone and we only see the one girl who apparently is this blue spindly monstrosity so we don't know what kind of a chameleon-ish or Skrull-ish or whatever shapeshifter thing is going on here, but it's not just a plain old human murderer. That's it, all. Yeah, it's something a little different. I'm expecting maybe we'll see, but again, I thought that the play was going to be like turning into this guy, but no, she's just gone, and maybe they'll find her washed up on shore, or something because they're right at the bay, or totally eaten or engulfed or absorbed. We'll have to something see gross. how it is, but yeah, you end up where again. Ben's kind of walking down memory lane. He goes back to the house, says Peter and MJ are in Portland. Aunt May is gone. We actually see a little, you know, deal of when she did die in this as he's remembering things like letting the guy go by and coming back and seeing the police at his house. All these things going on here and playing chess with with Uncle Ben and stuff. But 
it ends up where he says, I have to let all this go. I, I got to get over this. And Which is interesting. So that's clearly the theme that we're trying to set up here is that he thinks he's the real Peter Parker. He thinks he has to let go of the past, which is an, a, a curious theme in a book that is a flashback to the past. So it can't be the lesson is the past should be ignored because otherwise the book wouldn't exist. So we know we've got to swing this around somewhere. The, the lesson is going to be the past is important. I, I'm pretty sure I'm predicting that. But yeah, at this point, at this point, he thinks that his past is holding him back. Yeah, and he wants to make friends, and he does. He ends up calling Edward. Says, hey, you want to go to this, you know, revival house, this deal they're playing a sci-fi double feature. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I don't know if you call this a date, but it would be a first date. You have trouble, but it's not quite that. He ends up then, while they're doing this, uh, it was a weird play, but you end up this John guy. Like, mm-hmm. We I? talked about him extensively last time out. And I felt bad for John. I do have the feels for this guy because he's like, hey, there. Ben, what's up? And he's like, oh, hey, John, what's up? And he's like, oh, I'm surprised when the lights came up. I saw you here, but I see you're busy. I, I don't And he's like, no, come on, man. This guy's so happy that somebody is friendly to him. This guy needs a friend. And he's, some, he's, an, he's an awkward guy. This is the guy that uh, Ben talked to when he was working at the diner. They seem oh, to they try to push out. that yeah. he might even be the killer at one point, but we didn't think he was. But, yeah, he just needs a friend. And I, I did like that when he turns around smiling when, yeah, Ben's like, he's awkward. Somebody who's like alone all the time, you know, kind of like me. Hey, come on, buddy. It's like the gag's all here. You want to go to a diner? We're going to have things. I really Join like that. I really can't yeah, really. It's me. I'm John. Where's my Ben oh. Riley to invite me? I'd love to go to the diner. Uh, I like that, though. And again, I'm getting the more feels of the nice Ben Riley here. Than we even have in the beyond because of all the things going on. So I thought it was cool. It's just the idea that this issue tended to, like, at a point, it seems like it's a little bit, not unfocused, but it seemed to have, like, two things going and the it seemed bits, to go a the little bits long. are kind of disconnected. Yeah, that I, was I the could problem. Envision JMD's notebook or kind of see, okay, I want to get this weird scene. The scorpion's got something weird going on, but the scorpion's still in there. And we also want to get some feels with. Uh, ben hooking up with these making friends, and we also want to have one scene not connected to anything that just reminds us, oh, that first date killer's out there, and oh, by the way, we learn one more thing about that killer, it's not a person. Yeah, it's fine, but it's disjointed, but they get attacked at the diner. John kind of blanks out for a second, so I don't know if we're supposed to think that John blanking out is connected to this bad thing that's happening, or just coincidence, we don't know. But we get these octopus arms come through the window, just crashing, and they don't grab John, they grab uh, Waylon, the former vermin. Edward, yeah, they grab him. And Ben thinks, wait, that can't be because Doc Ock is dead, which I'm not super familiar with this time, but, but I, guess, I guess Otto Octavius dead. was dead at this point. And it has to be, it is the Lady Octopus. Yep, Carolyn it's Lady Trina. Octopus. So she is there, and, you know, there we go. So we have a pretty cool ending there to continue on with but and i i like this i just thought it was a little disjointed at times with those scenes but everything works out okay it's reminders like you said you see that first date okay i remember that we go and i like the stuff with ben making friends but is this where and why lady octopus is going after former vermin edward and or is you know ben going to be able to save himself that's cool so I, I did like it. Didn't like it as much as the first issue, but I still like it. Uh, what would you give it? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I enjoy all the pa- the pieces. 
I think they could have been integrated a little better, but I am curious where this goes. And I, I did spend a whole lot of time Googling up pictures of Shea Stadium to see if there was ever a time it looked like that. But So that was fun. But yeah, it's a, it's a little bit less interesting than the last issue. So I give this a 7.8 out of 10. I'm giving it a 7.5, but I still like it. I, I just needed at one point for like Peter, either Scorpion or Peter to hit into the big apple. That comes up with the home runs. That's what I needed. I, I, if you're going to use the <laughs> that, piece, that you need the piece. That might be copyright infringement. I don't know. You can only go so that far. That is true. But we're going to go now to our first versus lightning round. What's the matter? Scared of a little lightning? I'm not overly fond of what follows. Round one. Fight. And round one is going to be Black Widow number 14, and that is written by Kelly Thompson, uh, pencils by Elena Casagrande, uh, Elisabetto D'Amico, who's just kind of thrown into the credits with nothing there, so I think she might have done some of the pencils as well, or oh. they just didn't put... <laughs> yeah, they left out her It's title. weird. It must be inks, but uh, it's weird. No title. And Jordi Belar on colors, and V.C. Scori Petit. On letters, I'm going to let you go first. As always, I have all the things ready. I have the the sounds and all of the deal. So when I hit this, if people don't know, you end up getting about 45 seconds to do your blurb and a score. When we get to the 10 second mark, you'll hear a ding. That means you better hurry your your butt up. And here is okay, Jason doing Black Widow number 14. Go. After several delays and a flashback issue, we now rejoin our characters in progress where we last left them back in November 2021. Remember what was going on back then? Me either. But our heroes, including Lucy, who has electric powers and should go by the name Defib, have infiltrated a crazy high-end gala run by the host. Actually, it's a front for an exotic, uh, exotic animal auction, but actually it's a front for an exotic human auction. Natasha fights the unstoppable force called the Living Blade and doesn't do so well. She hides, she gets her arm chopped off, and somehow this starts to connect to our big bad Apogee who we haven't seen since last summer. This book needs to get somewhere, anywhere, and quickly because it's rapidly losing the plot. 6.3 out of 10. Boom, that was pretty good because here we go. Yeah, my, me and you are on the same page. I'm telling you, there's problems. But here is mine. I'm going to go right now. This book has been hampered by delays its whole existence. And with that, I always feel like I'm playing catch up every time I dive in. This issue is simple enough, though. Black Widow fighting, running from, then fighting, and running from the living weapon as Yelena, Bucky, and the others try to escape the clutches of the host while also freeing the human captives before everything goes kablooey. I love Elena Casagrande, but even the art fell off a little bit from this. It's good, but not the usual great that we get from her. And overall, the story was a bit convoluted, hard to follow, and even with not much going on overall, but a crazy cliffhanger... And yes, what does this do with Apogee? 7 out of 10. <laughs> I end up going a little more positive than you, but what is the deal? Like, this doesn't feel like anything's connected anymore. And I do like this book. No. It's well-loved. I saw a lot of great reviews for this issue as well, but it's hard to even remember what's going on. There are some pages, but then, especially right at the end, like that, that next to last page where it should be, oh, here's this big fancy fight. It looks like it's not finished. That's what I'm saying. I even thought at the very beginning there was a little bit like the unfinished look of Alana Casagrande is still good, but it didn't feel right. like you usually get. Usually this book is like breathtaking, stunning the whole time. And and Kelly Thompson plays with it with a loose script. We have a lot of things. I was even waiting for that motion type fight 
that we usually get we don't even really get that i think that there's some problems with this with delays and things but really it's been so long since we had a proper issue that you can't have that be the case anymore. I, I did like that Black Widow and White Widow have a code word. Yeah. And that code word is run. run. I, I'm like, and I, that, that's code for, <laughs> no, really, you run. should run. It's funny, that code word run seemed to be run, but not run. And yeah. I, I love the idea. You end up having Elena say to Bucky, she said run. And then Bucky's like a light bulb. Oh, she said run. That's code. I'm like, what is it code for? And like you said, it seems like it's code for run. Like, get out of here. It's so weird. It's so weird, the idea of that. But it just, it, it, nothing really happens overall except facing off the, and then arm being cut off crazy, right? But we'll just have to see. And even the twins we get here that if you haven't been, you know, reading recently or whatever, they didn't get really introduced that greatly to then all of a sudden we get back to them. You're like, okay, I remember that. It just, everything fell off. And it's, it's a shame. I really do like the book, but right now, that's why it's a lightning round. And I almost even kicked it off. We almost, you know, I ended up skedaddling of it off because it is so much of a nothing deal. But with that, we will go off to our next section of books. All right, we're going to start this section with Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi number nine on the cover. It really spells out a new arc starts here to get people involved. I don't know how the sales are now. It's hard to check out sales recently but i think that maybe they're saying let's get this more in tune with what was in the movie and maybe get some more people involved here i will see how it goes but it is blood and monsters part one written by gene Luen yang art by marcus toe sunny gal on colors and vc's travis lanham on letters previously shang chi has taken control of his father's cult-like organization the five weapons society but changing the society and his family's evil ways hasn't been easy from battling his fellow superhero friends to turning on his own brother to finding his long-lost mother. Shang-Chi is physically and mentally at his breaking point, but this becomes the perfect circumstance for his grandfather, Chieftain Zing, to strike. Shang-Chi is able to repel the attack, but his mother ends up being kidnapped. Now Shang-Chi must find a way to get her back. One of the things in this, and even have them on the cover, but I really thought that they let Brother Saber out. Of the prison and he was going to be back I thought that that was kind of hinted at the end Was going to be This was an odd issue for me because at the end of the last issue I thought we were going to have Shang-Chi and friends pursuing His grandfather back to that island Right, that's what was setting up And now we have, well first we have A scene where we see some street thugs About to, to rob somebody And we're going to get back to them later But we find out that off panel Between issues, there was some kind of Deal set up where we know that Grandpa has Mom, and uh, they set up some deal where they're going to a hostage exchange where, okay, you give us back the Mom, and we'll give you Shang-Chi. And surprise, surprise, the bad guys aren't playing nice. They don't hold up with the deal. And they just, I don't know why they came to Hawaii to do this. I guess people just like to go to Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, on I wouldn't mind, right? Why not? It's a nice of all the place. Places, of all the places they go, they go to Hawaii. But uh, so these three of these Chilin riders ride up, including grandfather. And they just start attacking. So we got these three bad guys against Shang-Chi and Sister Dagger and Sister Staff. And they just start a fight. I like at the one point when you do end up having Zilan, who uses her staff flute deal 
And it, Shang-Chi throws it. I, I don't know why I never saw how big that flute thing was. Because it is a set. And I'm like, holy moly, that's like the biggest flute I've ever seen in my life. What, what I don't know is why she didn't start doing her magic flute stuff right at the beginning. I guess maybe maybe taken by surprise and, and couldn't do it. Yeah, but. because there's no mother coming through here. The grandfather and his riders, they've come to attack. And they end up really getting blood samples to put in these pottery deals that they end up calling toadies. Yeah, it looks like a, a little jade pot of some kind. And it ends up doing some magic as they kind of get out of there, and it's just I'm these... not sure if a little jade pot is supposed to look like a little evil grinning alien. Yeah, it looks it like does. it at one point, right? And it does end up manifesting these other like dog-like creatures that end up seemingly right away. You get the idea. They can sniff out and they attack anybody with, you know, the line of, you know, Shang-Chi's blood, this whole deal with their father, everything going from that. And the weird play is, is that when it seems to get the blood, now it multiplies, it ends up kind of dividing, multiplying, but the way to get rid of them, they end up putting their blood on them so they'll eat each other. And the exact powers and how they multiply is very, very vague. And it's wrapped up super quick because they decide, oh, well, we'll put our blood on them, and then they fight each other, and then they're gone. And and I'm sitting there, well, wouldn't they multiply a bit because that blood's there? But it, still, you end up, and the big tie-in here, and again, this is a, a pretty quick issue as you go through this. It's, it's fine. It just it took me a bit to kind of get my bearings straight from what we had and kind of see what's going on, uh, where you end up having those street thugs. They do rob this couple. And the idea where this old guy's like, you don't believe in karma. Suddenly they get attacked by these dogs, these these things. And it goes after this main Two thug. of these teotes leave Shang-Chi and sisters and for inexplicably, as far as we know at that point, head over and start attacking this dude, leaving the other two street tops alone, just the one in particular. They're all hot and heavy to, to get. And then, the, the you know, our three heroes come to try to stop them. But, and with that, you do get that deal of, you know, multiplying, end up crunching them and stuff. But the idea is that this street thug, this bad guy, he actually is one of their brothers. There's going to be a lot of them all around. So it's not that crazy. But the idea of that is, yeah, it's him. But they go. And, and the big thing about this is, again, what's happening with the mother? What's the grandfather really up to? Obviously, he just wants to take down that line, the whole idea, you know, and so you end up where also a mention of a sister, Shi Hua, that they're going to go after as well. But yeah, even when you do go off to Tao Lo, it just kind of is too quick and things are just kind of a little bit, you know, quick and wonky in my mind where the mom's in a cage. And so that sets up where Sheng Chi and, and the rest will have to go save her. But really, this grandfather out of nowhere being there just kind of showing up last issue and now all of a sudden being the big bad might be a little bit too much right away. But that's what you get. And you get the Shang-Chi helicarrier that on there you end up having this thug like he must be one of our brothers, all this. And they go and they say, we're going to turn you into the police. And you end up having Esme, who should, you know, not yell these things. Let's not. They, they even say, let's not tell she's him not that anything. Yeah. And Sister Dagger, again, she's that, a that hothead. Half a page. Yeah, and she's like, you might have the blood of our deal and cousin. Because he ends up hitting on Zaylen. But he ends up like, what? What's going on? Yeah, you have 
the evil super villain blood in you, which this guy seems to be really taken like, oh, that's cool. He takes cool. it as an inspiration. Well, but if my grandfather was a really bad dude, maybe yeah, I really. should be a really bad dude too. And so you yeah, have okay. that deal. It's like so quick that they go. They're in this helicarrier. I don't know where they just drop him off and you see him flying off into the distance as he's being led <laughs> in cops. I'm like, I want to hear that conversation. Exactly. Pulling up in a helicopter. Excuse me, officers. You know I'm in charge of this evil villainous organization, but I have this guy who was stealing stuff. This from guy old stole a, a jade bracelet from I don't know an old what couple. Kind of testimony you can take from uh, from Shang Chi here. Well, where's the evidence? Whatever. Well, I don't know. The old couple left because then we got attacked by these demon dogs. That came out of pottery. <laughs> yeah. They're like, and okay. Where did the go? Well, we smeared our blood on them and they ate each oh other. Oh my you God. I just imagine that you have these cops. They're like, listen, buddy, we're going to pretend to take you. We're just going to leave you go because <laughs> this don't make any sense. Uh, and uh, only in Hawaii, it would be funny. Now I want these cops to be full out characters. The one is just transferred from, say, like Philadelphia or something like you told me Hawaii wouldn't be wacky. All of a sudden, <laughs> that's uh, right. He's coming out here for like over the semi-retirement yeah. job. Yeah, he's like, what the heck? Paradise. Uh, but then you go off to the vault in Colorado, and this is where I thought that, you know, I thought Brother Saber was back with him. I thought that by the end it was almost like Desmond. Yeah, you know what? This was all everybody was on the, the down low and trying to do things. But here he is, and he is, you know, he's not getting his jello. The guard is a yeah. jerk. So this- this guard is not a gem. No, no, he is not. He's he's stealing the prisoner's jello. He, he says, Oh, they ran out of jello, but then you see him eating his jello. He's jell-o. eating the now, jello, jerk. Is this just a regular prison guard? Because he has a very extensive costume. He on. does have that, I guess, when you're at the vault. I mean, the vault is a super villain maximum security I, prison. I couldn't tell if we're supposed to recognize this guy as somebody in particular. Yeah, I, I don't just think, think so. that it's just a guard. The thing is, like. It's I, almost like a yellow and green Iron Man. Yeah, it is. Him. Well, all of a sudden, one of these dogs comes in and it's like, oh, my God, it's going after him because of the blood. This will be a way for him to get out. It just seems to be. Uh, but we'll end up seeing. But like I mm-hmm. said, he's even on yes. the cover with the group. I mean, he'll eventually be joining well, back. We all, covers are always lies. We know that. Well, I'm telling you, the, because of the idea, I think that he's just back on the team within two issues. And you even have the idea that Esme is still pissed off and yelling at Shang-Chi about it. So. I do believe that he will be back. But, you know, you have this and it just kind of is, okay, here we are. The point of this issue seemed to be to pull in some other characters, right? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're making this distant cousin guy a character. He's going to do something. We have Grandpa was going to use Shang-Chi's corpse to do something, but instead he's pulling this magic out of his daughter and they're going to find Shi-Hua, her, her other child. So that character's going to pull back in. And for good measure, we'll get Brother Saber pulled back in as well. So that seemed to be the point here was to expand our cast. And I do believe that thug will play off like a killmonger in the Black Panther movie, at least. The idea, well, I'm going to take back the evil organization. I'm like, you're just a street thug in Hawaii. What are you doing? But yeah, you have those things set up. So what would you give it at the end? Well, I I liked some of the things about it. But again, it it felt very out of step from where this book kind of should be going. And the arts, arts does its job, it's fine, but the, the characters are kind of just being moved into place. So I'd give this a, a six and a half out of ten. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm a little more positive. I like the art enough. It's it's not great, but it's it's good enough. And I, I, I like this book. I like to see, and this is a weird transition issue where they do seem to really want to grab new people, kind of throwing in a little bit of the movie concept. We even got a weird ending last issue of that first long arc. So I, I'm here for it, but we'll see. 
Uh, it's not as good as what it was at one point, though, but maybe this is the, you know, building block to get going yeah, up it, from it. Yeah, it was more fun when all the, you know, the guest star of the week and we'd see we see those connections. And, you know, now we're going to start this deal. And you, like I said, it's playing in with the whole tallow. Once you started doing that, you realize, okay, he's been told to get it more in line with the movie that was popular. So I understand. But we're going to go to Silk next. Silk number two, written by Emily Kim, art by Takeshi Mayazawa. Colors by Ian Herring, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. As a journalist, Cindy was covering a break-in at the Metro- Metropolitan Museum of Art. Someone had raided a Korean historical exhibit where a tomb containing a body of a 400-year-old shaman had been on display. The tomb now lies empty, and the four stone soldiers that guarded it are missing. Then Cindy stumbled upon something even bigger. A popular young influencer named Lucas has seemingly aged 60 years overnight. We didn't get any Lucas. We thought we were going to get more Lucas with his nonsense. Instead, you no, just get a string no, of more get, influencers getting old, but right, not really getting it. It's odd because we remember Lucas didn't just happen to age overnight. He had broken into the Metropolitan Museum of Art. He was there when all these hundred-year-old, you know, what is that, in the 1600s so or 400-year-old priceless artifacts were stolen. And that's when he showed up being 60 years older. But that is all dropped. No one remembers that he had broken into the museum. We just find out. We just find out, oh, there's some other people who also aged. Oh, and, and maybe, by the way, they've also run into this crazy witch lady. But we just think it's some disease going around. Yeah, they I, think that I there's think something that going on. No, and, and the idea, like you said, they should have at least said that, you know, old Lucas is in jail right now. And then his plea would be like, listen. You gave me 50 years. I aged 60, so I, you owe me 10. You owe me 10, pal. Uh, but he's just kind of gone. We thought that he was going to be there. We thought it might be a little fun. He was annoying, but we actually wanted him to maybe continue. So with this, though, you start out with Cindy, who it, it, her therapist wants her to do all these activities. She can't juggle activities and the silk she and the so reporter. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling she you, every night. ceramics lessons. She takes computer lessons. We hear about jewelry, jewelry lessons. lessons. It, reminded, it reminded me of Bernadette Peters in The Jerk. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Where yes, she takes the knife throwing lessons and she almost she hits Nave and Johnson, almost almost gets rid of Johnson. And yeah, but they just take lessons. Yeah, just lessons. So she's trying to do that and the idea that, you know, that the coding deal should be that she doesn't really understand computers, things like that. But even then, it just felt weird. She doesn't even know how to turn off music that comes on her phone. It's so over <laughs> the top with that. But she does She does know how to read her own stories on her phone. Yes, she so does. So she's yes. reading this new story on the subway, and oh, this this is the one that she herself wrote. So I don't know if she's just admiring it or She's or admiring it. But yeah, so with that, she ends up, you know, doing bad at these classes. She ends up reading her story, like you said, maybe a, a, a last-second Pretty much late proofreading because it's already out there, but she's doing, you know, this whole deal. And then she ends up visiting the exhibit again. And you have this guy who's really into the Korean history stuff going on, where she even says, maybe I should be as big in the Korean history since it's Mr. mine. Mr. Ferguson is. And he's, you know, talking about, but it's it's really just recap of what we knew before. Yeah, it's recap and it's giving us some of the background for this this witch lady. We find out that the the story is that way back then she was a shaman who kind of was the word they used manyao. The story is that there were all these cults going around, but she was the strongest one. And the story was that she could kind of suck the life of the power out of the worshippers of the other cults, according to legend, of course. And there's a reference here. Maybe you can explain this to me. 
where uh, the voice, like the thoughts of Cindy says, this is creepier than the frog pattern skirt Albert made. Yeah, it's just her brother what must have that? made a frog pattern skirt at one point. I, I, it's a weird deal to even throw that in there. You get a couple okay. mentions of Albert in here yeah, just to yeah, remind but- you that Albert's around because even Luna later. Hey, Albert here. No. And mm-hmm. so it's a weird is, deal. Albert lives in New York, too. Yeah, he lives with, with her in the apartment, I believe. So yeah, she oh, sees okay. him a lot. So she was in the he was in the first uh, deal at the beginning. Remember, he's the one who can't quite remember what happened to their parents when he and she ended up saving him. And they're trying to oh, figure that stuff out okay. with it. So that's her you know, connection deal. But yeah, so the whole deal, though, why influencers and why are they? The ones, I guess it's going to be like, well, there's the power, the influencers. It's a weird deal. I think that it's going to play off also like Instagram as the cult. This, it's weird. Like I said, this whole idea of the switch going around. It's, it's strange because she, she sucked the life out of Lucas and he happened to be an influencer, but it was just a coincidence. That was just right? coincidence. He happened to be there. Well, is this where she got the taste for it? Maybe. And she's is like, I she like the, the influencer's tastes. Or maybe she just, she has, does, I don't know. What does she know about influencers and Instagram? This is what I'm she's saying. She's been dead for 400 years, as have all her servants. Is the joke that. She's already more in tune with the internet than Cindy is. You know, Cindy was in a bunker for 10 years. This lady comes out of, uh, you know, death and it's like, she's right in. She wants, does she want to be an inflation? It's a weird tie of the idea. Like you said, it wasn't that this witch came about and then sought out the influence. It was that Lucas was an idiot and was there pretty much robbing places and trying to break in. Mm-hmm. And, Ooh, look at the scary stuff and ends up having it happen to him. It's not like A plus B equals C here. It's it's a weird deal. And so you end up, and by the way, A plus B does equal C. You end up where you see these classes. Out of nowhere, this one guy, you know, is running this computer program class. I feel bad. This guy, like, just says, hey, you know, by the way, maybe we can have a coffee. She's like, nope. And he, like, walks away <laughs> dejected, like, it happened again. What, what is my approach here? Is it okay to... to- I don't know. It seemed weird. It was very quick, too, right? They are. I'm used to teaching, you know, kids. Well, that would be true. I just see see a teacher asking a student out for a day. I I still think it's not really that appropriate at this point where maybe, I don't know. He's like, hey, by the way, maybe we could get a coffee or something. I could show you some more gadgets, baby. And she's (laughs) like, no, I'm busy. He goes, oh, man, look at him. He's like rubbing his head. What's wrong with me? And she goes, oh, by the way, <laughs> I actually do have something that we could do. I'm going to this thing. I could have a plus one. You want to go? And it ends up being Luna Snow's concert that she had gotten tickets for. Pretty cool deal. I mean, it, Luna it ties Snow, in. She's, Luna Snow seems basically to be Dazzler. Is that kind of what it is? She's, she's like Dazzler, but instead of being part of the X-Men, she's part of the Agents of yeah, Atlas. Yeah, she's the Agents of Atlas deal. And I, I don't mind the character. You're going to play off that idea of like even like a K-pop idol with her as well, because she is. And that's mm-hmm. she's also a superhero. Very dazzler S. I knew I knew you'd like the K-pop. Oh, yeah, part. I'm telling you, I'm waiting for it. I was waiting for at least one Blackpink reference. It didn't happen because you know why? Because Luna is jealous. It's what's happening here. She doesn't want to mention the kings and or the queens of K-pop. But 
You end up where she's having this big concert. What threw me up to? There's the line. They're all going in. When they sit down. I see that. I have a note about that. Three Nobody. people. Nobody's there. <laughs> at, at the beginning, at least. I'm like, okay, I get I thought, that they're coming I mean, in. Did Luna just give them? Because Luna gave out these tickets. Did she just give them the crappiest tickets way up in the rafters? Because no one yeah, is nobody's there. Nobody's there. And also just the idea. I'm like, that's why she gave them out. She needed somebody's. But it, it does get more packed. Now, you, you're going to play off this idea where they're there to see Luna. She's doing her song. She's doing it. Again, in a comic book way, it's very mm-hmm. Dazzler-esque, the way that's happening. And she's and people are real impressed. You end up having Cindy get the spider sense. She's looking around. She's going to leave her date, kind of the deal. This guy's really into it, though. He, he loves it. She ends up going off, and now all of a sudden, these stone warriors, that they attack Luna on stage, and Cindy, it gets a little wonky with what's going on with that, especially yeah, with the I'm hair there. Yeah, I'm not sure what's happening. It looks like something's happening in the audience. Is that where the first one's happening, or is that backstage? It's actually on the stage, which is weird, but it kind of comes the first out. One on the, yeah, on I'm the, looking because that is 14? actually Luna. Who, because you can see her hair from the other side, the white deal, and her costume. It's weird because they're all yelling, and everybody thinks that it's part of the deal. They're all, because then when Cindy flies in, she changes. It, it looks like Cindy is looking away from the stage when she sees. Well, something. it's weird because you end up. Cindy goes, "Oh, I think she's looking to kind of go and get something done." Then Luna's on the stage, then, and then she gets grabbed. And she's like, hey, nope, just getting attacked. She thought it was new dancer choreography. So it seems to be on the, the, the play here, though, is like always the audience is like, man, what special effects? It's an all out attack <laughs> going on. And it's almost like, oh, it's man, a, it's a it's a fine trope. We've seen it's a comic book thing. We've seen it. It works. And it's like, oh, I never knew that Silk was going to be part of the show. They're all going nuts. And you have this big attack on the stage and these guys kind of disappear. They dissipate as they hit them. And then Luna's like, hey, yeah, everybody. Just, just like Shang-Chi. Yeah, exactly. Hey, the everybody, guys disappear. this is part of the show. And yeah, Cindy scratching her head. So good. Luna's like, hey, come on. You know, wave to the crowd at least. I mean, seriously. <laughs> hey, whatever. And then they go backstage. The, the one splash page was pretty cool right before that. I thought that was the, the best art in the book. It's some it just nice made color, me laugh. perspective. So they're backstage and they're they're eating the yummy pops. And you end up where they're trying to figure out, oh, man, what, what the hell was that going on? You end up having Luna like, hey, they get re- really over it quickly. And like, hey, you know, I was a little pitchy at the beginning. No, you were great. Hey, here's a shirt. Hey, Albert here? No, no. I Oh, no, I had a date. She runs oh, off. But they, they do make a point of mentioning that uh, Luna herself does have a million followers on some whatever social media. So that, that connects. Yep, she says that. This thing with this witch and these things, they're familiar to her, and it looks like they're going after influencers. It's not clear to me if this Korean shaman is going after only Korean people or Asian people. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Because Lucas, I think we thought Lucas was Asian. Yeah, yeah. And we we don't know about the others. The names don't sound particularly Asian, but who knows? Yeah, because there is a fashion influencer that ended up where... When you get aged all that, you don't go back. You have to stay off the Instagram for a bit. That's just my tip. But you end up <laughs> seeing this one like, oh, man, look at this, you know, 19-year-old so fashion I'm not sure blogger. It's just coincidence that this person connected. We'd have also. to see. But, right. you know, the, the deal here, I, I laugh, too, because I'm so bad. I'd be such a, a bad superhero when I'm like, oh, my God, my date. I'd go back and I'm like, 
you turned him into a water bottle? Because there's just a water bottle there <laughs> on the seat. She looks like, up, oh, he's gone. Oh, this crazy shaman. She has these magic Influencers and making people into water bottles. But form of a water bottle. Yeah. The weird play of this is why do we care about that guy? She runs back as if, oh, no, yeah. a date gone we're, wrong. But well, really? We're supposed to get the idea of the superhero life and the regular person life. It's not mixing life. well. It just ends up by the end. I'm like, yeah, I really don't it, care. It doesn't really connect. We can tell why this trying to put in. But it's, again, I like I like the pieces of the story. If you, like, wrote down the outline of what happened. I think that sounds cool. But just it's not connected. No, there's some weird connective tissues here. Because then you go off to the Switch, who's in her old house that we saw i think at the end of the last issue even she she gets the newspaper delivered so i guess she's you know already she really is adjusting well right another very convenient monologue where she tells us just what we need to know and she says oh yeah i could feel that singer's power she really wanted to get that singer's power but that warrior got in the way and then oh this newspaper blows into my hand shows shows silk and says oh she'll be a good substitute we'll get her instead so now we know that they're going directly after so. And the newspaper that you would really venture to say is probably written in English where she's speaking ancient. Like, what is God? She just sees the picture. I guess this is it. And then there yeah, you go. So I guess her warriors report back to her, but we haven't seen any of that. It uh, is weird. I love that. Just the beginning, you just have that crash where it looks like she threw a book out the window. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. But. All of that going down, I still don't mind it. It's okay. It makes me giggle a bit. And it's very quick to read. So, like you said, that might be a detriment in the scene transitions. All this time, too, Jay Jonah's calling her, where's my story? Yelling, analog, where's my story? She's like, well, I'm at the museum. What are you doing? And then the big play, which usually you have with Jay Jonah Jameson and these spider characters, where I need more about Silk. Well, that's easy because she's Silk and you can play up that. but. She's looking for clues and things like that. Jay Jonah just wants the headline, so he's trying to get it. So with that, what would you give this? It's a fine book. It takes some very standard storytelling ideas, which are fun enough, and it doesn't really connect them as well as they might work. And the art seems on the basic side. It almost looks like a a kid's book, you know? Some of the fight scenes at the concert were fun, but most other dialogue scenes, the, the faces are very simplistic, the backgrounds are very simplistic. So overall, it's it's not a horrible book, but it's nothing to write home about. I give it a six out of ten. Yeah, I'm gonna go six point five. It's okay. It's just kind of a, a funny little thing on the side here, but maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll get better. If the art were a little better, I could have gone to six point five. But I, I thought both sides were kind of kind of basic. Maybe it'll get a little better. But we're gonna go to the next lightning round, which this is versus lightning round a two. When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared? Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. And it's round two, and this is going to be Miles Morales' Spider-Man number 35, and it's written by Saladin Ahmed, and a pencils by Michelle Bandini and Luigi Zagaria. Michelle Bandini, Elisabetto D'Amico, and Luigi Zagaria on uh, inks, and also colors by David Coriel, and letters by DC's Corey Petit. I'm going to hit the music, and Jason, hit it. In this issue, Saladin Ahmed remembers that he's seen The Matrix. So we get Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith as the assessor. It was nice to see a face turn from Quantum who turns out his captor to help out our heroes, but Quantum says he's been trapped by the assessor and by the Beyond Corporation for two years now, which doesn't jive at all with Black Cat Country. And we learn that this assessor story has secretly been part of the Beyond Plot in Autolog, which feels like a retcon. 
but we end up with Miles and Sword of Brothers Shift stepping through a monster's ink door into a multiverse arc. The save is, I guess, not really that uncle, and what might tie in with that upcoming What If book. Not the most focused story, but a decent bit of fun. 7 out of 10. And you just got under there. I am going to go once this hits. Mine's very quick. Here we go. Boom. Miles and Shift battle the assessor in what feels like round 10 of this fight, but this time they get an unlikely ally in Quantum. The issue is pretty much one big fight scene, and while our heroes win in the end, kind of, it's a cliffhanger that might be getting people excited. Aaron, Uncle Aaron is alive, and Miles and Shift are off to another dimension. Road trip possibly to save him. I did like the art a lot, and it's nice to see it's the assessor actually get his finally. Uh, but overall, not much happening until that cliffhanger, so I'm going to go 7.5 out of 10, a little more positive than you were there, Jason. So we'll have to see where this okay. goes. This book ends up, and we'll get to the buzzer here. Boom. But the music yes. And this book ends up where we ended up tying into the Beyond stuff a little and whatnot. I, you kind of need to separate it a bit, so... Do you think that when the assessor came up, all these issues way back in Miles, that there was any plan that, oh, this is a Beyond thing? No, I have no idea. And that's what happened. Quantum ends up yelling like, oh, Beyond, they had me all the end runs off. The best part about this is is Miles goes, "Eh, Ben and Peter can handle that. Uh, We're going to go here. And (laughs) so you do end up having them see, you know, oh, my God, Uncle Aaron, let's go see what's going to happen with that, because he did disappear when they were fighting the assessor. But yeah, this last page surprised me because it sure looks like we're seeing flashes from that what if where Miles becomes Captain America. But I was I was not expecting to see what if. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to see. And this does look like the idea that he's seeing these different dimensions. And that might be that he's seeing the what if, but he really does point out, oh, my God, Uncle Aaron, we got to go find him. And we thought that at one point he might have been, you know, pulled back into the ultimate universe that they were trying to play that might even come to be. Uh, But we'll have to find out. We'll have to see what that's all about. But you do end up seeing him as that, you know, at that one point, that what if cap. It'd be funny. He's like, that looks pretty cool. You also see Spider-Ham, you know, all those things going on. So we'll have to see what that means. With that, we're going to stop for a second. And then come back next with the full outlet end of the, what am I saying? The end of the podcast with what I keep thinking is a five issue mini, but it's not. It's six issues, which is odd for Marvel, but it's Dark Age. But we'll be back with that in a sec. All right. And we are going to end with Dark Ages number five. Me fumbling and stumbling through that ending there of the last section. But here we are. And as I said, I keep thinking that this was the last issue. I'm reading through it. Obviously, it's not. They're not even at Apocalypse with not whatnot. But at the end, I'm like, what did we do here going on? And this overall series has been a little down for me. I, I do love Tom Taylor, but this seems like, you know, the last thing he's doing at Marvel, he's signed exclusive for DC. And it was delayed. It ended up having an eye. I really expected more from this, especially in Elseworlds. It's kind of stumbling around. It kind of says, well, we'll just grab this idea and we'll kind of throw it in and not really do a whole lot. With yeah, it. it's just kind of like. It doesn't really feel like it's much of anything. We're just waiting to get to this final battle. We see what Apocalypse is up to, but he kind of said what he was up to before, but now we see it as the heroes try to make their way. It's okay. You get a couple feels. You get Deadpool in here that seemed to really elevate it for everybody else but me. I love Deadpool, and I love Deadpool's connection with Gabby, which you do have a little bit of, but it it just ends up feeling like it's just not enough, this, this whole deal. But We'll get into it. It's written by Tom Taylor, art by Bon Coelho, 
Colors by Brian Reber, letters by DC's Joe Sabino. Tony Stark was abducted and taken to Europe where a mutant apocalypse is using mind-controlled scientists in an attempt to revive the Unmaker. A group of heroes set off on a dangerous journey to rescue their comrades. While crossing the ocean, they were attacked by the Ghost Raiders, pirates with demonic powers. The heroes were able to defeat the Raiders, but only after Nick Fury Jr. had been killed. And they spell out. Yeah, and they spell out that May, who ended up stowing away with Danny, you know, with the whole deal of the little kids, they ended up alerting to this. And if they weren't there, more people might have died. And I thought, nah, I didn't think that. It sure looked like her and Peter had the spidey sense go off simultaneously. Didn't this so, feel weird? But, like they yeah, say but that Doctor Doom played it up really big. Like, oh, it was it was the kids? The kids? Oh the yeah. Kids did it. Oh, Doctor Doom in this? Really he's giving parental advice. I mean, who's this Doctor Doom? Holy moly! <laughs> like Doctor Spock? Yeah, yeah, really. And you end up there in Portugal, where there is you know Deadpool, and he's showing up. He's inappropriate as he would be. They're having a bit of a funeral for Nick. Fury, a junior, and he's like, hey, what's everybody with the long faces? What is this, a funeral? Now look at it. Come on, dude. But he sees Gabby. They have a nice little connection. They are great together. They're really good because of the idea that Gabby has her issues, that Deadpool never thinks her issues, and vice versa. They're really, really good together. But you get that quick here. But really, the whole thing is, okay, we're going to have to get to Apocalypse. We've got to stop this. Hey, what are we going to do with the kids? Is Ant-Man stuck in that giant size? Is he running low on pin particles or something? Yeah, I don't because know. I he just kind of sits there and... For a, for a funeral, he would have shifted down to human size, but maybe he just likes riding riding Fing Fang Foom. He likes Fing Fang Foom there. I think that it's more the reminder of, oh, man, yeah, there he is. I don't know, but you end up where you have a scene but you go to apocalypse then and apocalypse like okay we're in the middle of a conversation can it be done you end up having tony's like well you know we could figure it out i'm wondering why reed isn't more in the you know the deal but these end up hey you give me a challenge we'll do it and they're gonna go down below and you have this Mm -hmm. idea we're gonna open up a portal and i'll protect you and we'll go down and see what's up purple man not really too excited about going down no he does not want to go down we're scared of apocalypse but it's, it's kind of funny that we have two simultaneous books going on two different timelines that both have purple man being uh held captive by somebody and this forced, guy can't catch a break, to do right? Purple Man things. So who who do you think has the better agent, Purple Man or, or uh, Jack of Hearts? Because Jack of Hearts is everywhere. But Purple Man, but he seems to have these side roles of being captured, but he plays it up well. Yeah, he's he's kind of like a schmuck in both places. So I think I think Jack of Hearts is a cooler character. They're being used in a cooler So way. they go down and there's the Unmaker. And down below, they have to make sure that they don't mess with the body, uh, the rotting body of Doctor Strange because he still has Very magical gross. wards in place. I think that this is... Wink, wink, that's going to come into play next issue because there he is and they have to point it out. But, you know, the scientist deal of Reed, Beast, all these are looking and basically there is this, you know, black hole portal gravitational deal where they have to shut that down for a bit so that they can end up going and the apocalypse can try to right, take so over the apocalypse is going to mentally control this unmaker, but they can't do it when he's shut down. He's shut down because this EMP pulse is coming from this pulsar on the other side of the portal. So Tony Stark has to figure out a way either to shut the portal or to block the portal or absorb the EMP pulse for an hour. We're told that Apocalypse needs an hour. Yep. Now, which means that the Unmaker is going to be alive and active for an hour. Yep. Which seems like a bad thing. It but does seem I like guess a Apocalypse, bad thing. Apocalypse has a plan. Apocalypse has a plan. That also does give you that deal where we will have things going down, countdown, stuff like that. So we'll have that hour going where, 
you know, we'll see. And with that, though, we have to get our heroes there. And the big thing is Peter wants to send the kids back. Hey, you know, Storm's going to go back. No, 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 we're staying. Everybody's coming along. Dr. Doom gives his parental advice. And okay, off we go. You have the heroes, you know, walking. But again, it's Deadpool at the front. Then it's settled. Family road trip to the heart of darkness. All right. And they get in the, you know, double decker bus of Deadpool. Looks pretty cool. The Deadpool mobile. Sure. It's, it's, looks like it's been retrofitted to be steam powered because I guess spark, spark plugs don't work anymore. No. Yeah. That's kind of a cool idea. And you have devil dinosaur on the top there. He's, he's riding up. Very there. convenient. Everybody goes. Deadpool's acting like Deadpool. And off they go, but they have to stop for the night. We don't want to keep going at night. There's some bad things out here. Let's figure out what's going on. They do make camp, and immediately you end up having Gabby, Laura, and even Blade. Like, something's wrong. You have the the Wolverines. They can sense something, smell something. The idea, they can even tell. It's one of those, because they can't smell it a lot, they can tell that it's being cloaked. This means trouble. And the three of them. Yeah, the three of them are the monster hunters, so they do go out to stop it and they go in and I, I didn't quite get what was going on so it is kind of a surprise that it, it ends up being a combo venom carnage symbiote type deal that goes it in is, which it it feels like that should be a big thing when i look back a couple issues ago we did get what we thought was just a carnage reveal at the end of one yep. issue you look back you can see some little black bits and yeah, some little can. red bits so i guess that's the combo but we don't get an explanation for why in this world they yeah. comboed up like that. And it's funny, too, because when they comboed up like that, I actually I thought that there probably wouldn't be a host. That would be something crazy. There is a host. We find out. But, yeah, there's right. things it's that. It's a host, but the host seems to be completely overwhelmed. It's not a symbiosis thing. It's, no, it's a we're takeover running you thing. And we just need you as some sort of a. I don't know. And the weird thing about it, like you said, it it feels like, again, this was going to be six issues. So we're not. But was was there going to be tie ins or something? Because this feels like just out of nowhere just to have it thrown in. And even the idea of when they're out, Laura gets run through with these, you know, what ends up being symbiotic. We're supposed to be impressed by this, but. It, it doesn't it defeat play it out. No it. Yeah, that's my big right. problem. As, is as that soon as they find out who it is, they say, oh, well, we've got this Iron Man who uses fire. Okay. They don't like fire. And we've got Storm. We could make loud noises. And, well, fire and loud noises. And then and lightning. One, two, one, two, three. They're they're all dead. And we get the big reveal that the host inside is one Miles Morales. I'm telling you, we're done the book. <laughs> it's so quick. And the weird thing is, again, Laura gets run through. I'm like, oh, my God. What, what's this? And then Gabby gets run through. Again, they have a healing factor. But still, you're playing this up in a way that I thought, even at the point where you end up having Gabby kind of lifted up by the symbiote and kind of, but nothing plays out with it. It, it ends up just being, hey, look, Carnage Venom, symbiote doing damage. Okay, we know how to take care of this. Boom, dead. done. And it's so weird to play. Like, why are you rushing so much with this? Like, that that's a wow factor deal. That's a big deal in this. But, yeah, you even have it at one point, you know, Devil Dinosaur jumps in front to save Moon Girl, but even then, like, what is what does that matter? There's no stakes, it seems, in this as we get towards the end. And you end up even at a point where Devil Dinosaur kind of, like, eats this symbiote, but then spits it out. It looks like it should be in half or whatnot. What would happen? With, but nothing. It just ends up where they, they fry it, they lightning it. They end up where, oh, my God, it's Miles. 
and he says, I know how Apocalypse is going to end the world. So I guess I, I didn't think we needed something to push us. To, that's where they're going anyway. They're trying to save everybody. And- These last two issues feel like they've been stretched because we need to fill some space. Because we, we could go directly from that one kind of really cool issue where Quicksilver came back and, you know, he was controlled. We could go right from there and get them across to Apocalypse, but we've had a lot of stuff thrown in the middle. Yeah, this is a lot of, like you said, stretching, and maybe at some point there was going to be a little more expanded or whatnot, but at this moment, I would say that when Tom Taylor signed with DC, obviously you can finish what you had, and I think that this was already done, but you can't add anything on and whatnot. I don't know. It just feels like it's incomplete. It doesn't feel like a full story, and these first five or six issues... We're now going to get the big finale. I'm not really caring about it. I'm not really like, oh, my God, I got to see what happens because it's kind of just been meandering a bit and not really and in my mind, not giving a full out story overall. And I do think this was like, OK, let's get that deceased magic. Come over here back to Marvel, do this. And it just it hasn't played out very well for me. The art's pretty good, though. But overall, I, this was a disappointment. Uh, what would you give it? Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think you could see the idea, oh, we'll have this combination symbiote, but it didn't really do anything. And we know that the kids have to do something at the end because, number one, we made a big point of them sticking around, and number two, it's, it's a Tom Taylor book, so obviously the kids have to do something. And, yeah, it's fine. I guess I'm ready for it to wrap up, and I'm going to give this a 6.3 out. Yeah, I'm going 6, and it is a shame. I I was looking forward to this, especially remember when we got that teaser deal, and I think the free comic book day at one point had a bit, and it looked really cool, Mm -hmm. where Tony was flying, and all of a sudden all the electricity went out and he crashed into the building. I was like, this looks awesome. If you compare this to, like, the other medieval-looking Tom Taylor book over at DC, I think that one seems a whole lot more thought out, and the character... The characters are have a more dimension to them. What this just seems like, here's some kind of half-baked, cool-sounding ideas. We'll throw them in and we'll call it a book. And that's what it, that's the weird part is you end up having them. That's what you do when you get amalgams and things in these Elseworld things. But it does feel like this issue and, and a couple of them are just, hey, how about this? Deadpool. And then we'll also have this, you know, Venom carnage. But it never it, it was half-baked, the whole idea, it seems so. It is a shame, but we'll see. Maybe it'll tie up at the end and be pretty cool, but I wouldn't suggest, you know, going right out. Maybe this is something to read in the app if you're able to do that and whatnot. But overall, yeah, what is your book of the week, though? My book of the week is Amazing Spider-Man number 90 as we get ready for the end of our Beyond. Yeah, I believe that's mine as well. What is your cover of the week? My cover of the week is Black Widow number 14. It has an absolutely gorgeous Adam Hughes cover that the black and the red and the way the title works in it's oh it's gorgeous yeah I'm actually going with the Ghost Rider cover just it was just over the top and I, I did really like that. Who is your gem of the week, though? My gem of the week is Ben Riley, specifically of the past Ben Riley. Okay. Because he apologized to Ed Whelan for being a jerk last issue, and he invited an awkward guy to come to the diner with him. That is true. I'm going to go my gem of the week is Ben Riley of the present, who in oh, the okay. of the mind. It's Ben Riley of the <laughs> okay. mind, isn't it? Who inspired <laughs> Peter to launch himself up and hmm. punch the Queen Goblin right in the chop. So I'm going to go that, of that the feels mind. Like cheating, but okay, why not? It almost is, but I'm going to go with that. I was going to give it to the mean Uncle Ben who was throwing shade at Peter <laughs> as he went down, but I didn't want to go there. 
Uh, even I could even go in the Amazing Spider-Man, which we both did like. I could go with like a Janine who doesn't have much, but she's very concerned with Ben. But I'm going Ben Riley of the mind. But that is it. Okay. That is it for the podcast. And thanks everybody for listening. I hope that Thank I you. can edit out the pops and the hisses again. We're going to try to figure this out. So I apologize with that. We're trying our best. We'll figure something out eventually. But with all of that, Jason, what do we say at the end of the podcast? Have a great week. Keep it marvelous. And we'll see you in seven. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.